Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. My heart continues to be with the 9-11 families who are suffering. We have, of course, got that story. Plus Nike Spike Lee's limited hangout box office. But first on this all 9-11 plus 20 New World Next Week episode, 20 years after 9-11, mastermind Khalid Sheikh Mohammed still awaits trial. It should be the trial of the century, but most Americans long ago stopped paying attention. Two decades after the 9-11 attacks and nine years after war crimes charges were filed, the pretrial wrangling in the case against accused 9-11 mastermind Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, KSM, and four other defendants resumed just last week after a long COVID shutdown. It marked KSM's first appearance in court in more than a year, and no trial date has been set and none is anticipated anytime soon. Alka Pradhan a civilian employee of the Department of Defense who represents one of those five, called what's happening a farce. While other lawyers declined to go that far, nearly everyone seems to agree the effort to bring these defendants to justice has badly gone off the rails. This failure is not on the people prosecuting, defending, or the judges involved, said Kevin Powers, national security expert at Boston College, who once advised the Pentagon's Office of Military Commissions on Guantanamo issues. It's really the way the system was set up, and that's what people have to understand. The system is set up to fail. It was 15 years ago Monday that President George W. Bush announced the arrival of al-Qaeda detainees at the Guantanamo prison, joining hundreds of other prisoners, of course, in their muzzles and masks, hundreds of other prisoners already held in the U.S. enclave. The reasons the wheel of justice are moving so slowly are many. It's a logistical nightmare to travel there. The military commission system set up for this trial was created from scratch by the Obama administration, so every rule could be a point of contention, and of course there's hours of litigation. There has been frequent turnover of the judges and lawyers, but the biggest factor of why it's taking so long, defense lawyers and other experts say, is the secrecy. It took years for defense lawyers to get summaries of the classified evidence against their clients. They say they still don't have everything they need, even though they all possess top secret security clearances. In the courtroom, journalists and family members, like in the Rona era, must watch behind a thick wall of glass. The sound is piped in on not a seven second delay, a 40 second delay to guard against the defendants blurting out something classified. What classified things might they know? Well, you know, all that torture. They were held and tortured by the CIA in secret prisons before they got transferred to Gitmo. Covering up torture is the reason that these men were brought to Guantanamo, and the continuing cover-up of torture is the reason that indefinite detention at Guantanamo still exists, says James Connell, lawyer for Amar al-Baluchi, who his lawyers say was a model for the detainee who was tortured in the opening scenes of the Oscar-winning film Zero Dark Thirty. Going back to December 2012, Pentagon, CIA likely approved Zero Dark Thirty torture scenes. Senators were up in arms over Zero Dark Thirty, and we talked about it here, of course, on New World Next Week. But as Salon noted back then, the real outrage is how the government helped make the film. Making the film as the 9-11 production celebrates its 20th anniversary. James, I guess it's basically come back sort of remastered for the Rona era. Exactly right. In fact, uh, there's a lot of reboots going on right now, including the reboot of the KSM trial distraction, which we covered in August 
of 2019 here on New World Next Week, talking about it as the annual 9-11 distraction. And at that time, it was, trial date has been set for the 11th of January, 2021. But, of course, the Rona got in the way, so now they're doing it again and rolling out the boogeyman yet again on the anniversary yet again in order to yet again provide the annual 9-11 distraction that we literally cover every single year here on New World Next Week. One way or another, there's always the 9-11 reminder. Remember, the boogeyman's still out there. The boogeyman's still out there. Um, now, I will stress what I stress every single time and that needs to be stressed every single time. It is not just that, well, I mean, first of all, we should we should talk about what this actually is. We're talking about, for example, KSM himself having been waterboarded 183 times, including 65 applications during four separate waterboarding sessions in a single day, um, in order to extract the testimony that formed the basis of the 9-11 Commission final report, 441 out of 1,700 footnotes in the 9-11 Commission final report, sources back to the CIA torture testimony, that, oh, by the way, then was uh, deleted, illegally deleted by the CIA after a judge ordered them not to. Oops, well, eh, we did it. What are you going to do? Absolutely nothing, of course. Um, that's the way this rolls. And it's not just that this is morally wrong, although it is, of course, not only waterboarding KSM and other people. Well, they deserved it. They're the they're the bearded, scary boogeyman anyway. Well, how about um, capturing his children, confining them, um, starving them without food and access to food and water, and keeping them in confinement boxes with insects in order to torture them, in order to get information out of their father? Um, yes, morally reprehensible, but Perhaps even more to the point, or at least a point that even the people who think those dastardly terrorists get what's coming to them could understand is that the torture was never designed to get accurate testimony out of these people. It was designed to get them to lie. A point that's been made many, many times in many, many different ways, including the, the, the fact that KSM con, uh, confessed to things that he could not possibly have done, including bombing a bank that didn't exist at the time that he was captured. But yeah, we had a plan to bomb it. Yeah, anything, whatever, just get me out of here. Um, that's exactly what it was designed to do. And you don't have to take conspiracy theorists' word for it, like uh, James or myself. How about, oh, I don't know, Ali Soufan? who was an FBI interrogator who um, wrote Black Banners, an entire book about the, the types of interrogations they were doing of these various suspects when the CIA swooped in and took them out and started torturing them. And uh, Black Banners was released in 2011. It was heavily redacted at the time. Finally, last year, they managed to release an unredacted version of the book. And I suggest anyone who's still on board with torture read the book. Um, because, again, even... Even this FBI interrogator, even his assessment of it is not only was this a, a bad idea, not only did it derail things, it actively screwed up all of the investigations, almost as if on purpose. It actively got these people to either clam up or start inventing tales that could not possibly be true exactly as it was designed to do. I've talked about the torture program and how it was developed before. I'll throw a link into a newsletter I wrote recently um, talking about that, that the story of that and using um, uh, Martin Seligman's psychological 
um, theories as the basis for a torture program, um, which Seligman obviously did not was not part of. But uh, um, it, just incredible, crazy stuff that was done specifically to construct the 9-11 lie that was encapsulated in the 9-11 Commission final report. And now they have the gall to continue dragging this reanimated corpse of KSM out every every year on the anniversary. Look, remember? Remember why you're scared? Remember this guy, the mastermind from A to Z, as it was said in every headline at the time that he was captured. All lies, all demonstrable fabrications based on torture. It's disgusting. Um, and... We, we will shoot this propaganda down every single time they try to roll it out to the public. And depending on how close it was to the events of 9-11, depends on whether or not they say, oh, Saddam, or oh, it was bin Laden, or oh, no, it was KSM, that's who it was. Sir, James, are you basically telling me they used the science to construct this giant torture lie? Huh, that sounds familiar. Again, all those all those terrorists, they've all got muzzles on in the pictures. How, how could the Rona have slowed down these trials? Uh, we ask rhetorically on this New World Next Week, episode 458, as we move to our second story on this all 9-11 plus 20 episode. We've talked about it. And here it is again. The, 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 the rumor is possibly getting closer to come true. Biden signs executive order to declassify some 9-11 documents. President Biden, the man who helped write the Patriot Act and led the charge to Gulf War II, signed an executive order directing the Justice Department to review certain documents related to the September 11, 2001 terror attacks for declassification, bowing to pressure from victims' families, demanding more information on how the attack was plotted and carried out. Those bullies, again, note, how much the mainstream media has always hated the victims' families. Of course, we forget that Glenn Beck very early on said, hey, you like me? I'm really starting to hate these 9-11 families. They're so annoying. This move, which comes just days before the 20th anniversary, fulfills a campaign promise by Mr. Biden, but could complicate relations with Saudi Arabia. The executive order requires Attorney General Merrick Garland to make the declassified documents public over the next six months. We must never forget the enduring pain of the families and loved ones of the uh, was 2,977 innocent people who were killed during the worst terrorist attack on America in our history, until now, of course. For them, it was not only a national and international tragedy, it was a personal devastation. My heart continues to be with the 9-11 families who are suffering, and my administration will continue to blobbity bling blang bull plop. It is unclear what information was not previously known will be revealed after declassification. Victim families have claimed the documents could implicate officials in the Saudi government in supporting the attacks. Earlier this year, a group of victims' families urged Mr. Biden to skip the 9-11 memorial ceremonies in New York unless he authorized the release of the classified documents. Previous puppet administrations have resisted a broader disclosure in an effort, critics say, to prevent potentially explosive information from being disclosed and to preserve the U.S.-Saudi relationship. In 2016, Congress critters passed a measure allowing individuals to take legal action against foreign governments accountable that supports terrorist attacks in the U.S., President Peace Prize drone bomber Obama vetoed the legislation, but Congress actually later overturned that veto. In May of this year, 
22 members of Congress, led by Senate Majority Leader and Amy's cousin, Chucky Schumer, sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, tied with Janet Yellen for the richest critters in office right now, challenging the previous administration's assertion of state secrets privilege to block declassification of the 9-11 files. In June, Representatives Ted Deutsch, a Florida Pepsi, and Thomas Massey, a Kentucky Coke, called on former FBI director and rumored skull and bonesman Christopher Wray to release the documents. The Justice Department that stole the Promise software with Ghislaine's Mossad dad revealed last month that the FBI who create terror plots so they can bust them for the idiot public, recently concluded an investigation into certain 9-11 hijackers and possible co-conspirators. It said it would determine if it could release information uncovered during the probe, but didn't say when. James, we just wonder, with friends like these, who needs to keep funding false flags? They, They work for us, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, no, that's it. Um, so... Uh, there's not a lot of new information, as you say. They can't even say what may or may not be in these files that he's directing that may be declassified sometime in the future. So there's not a lot to say other than what we said um, when we covered this, the the first iteration of the story last month. So I'll throw a link into that for people who didn't see it. I won't add much to that other than to reiterate that, of course, this is not going to be the smoking gun doc- documents. And, oh, there's the picture of Cheney in, in the peacock with the plunger. You know, of course not. Um, but uh, again, we do a disservice to poo-poo information before we see it. We should at least take a look at it. And when it, and if it is released, I will take a look at it. And if there's anything important in there, I will uh, do my best to report on that. Um, having said that, again, I'm certainly not holding my breath for any major revelations. But um, if people want to know about what that FBI investigation that they're kind of half telling you, not quite telling you about, was undoubtedly about, uh, what you should be looking at is a book called Disconnecting the Dots, which I will throw the link in the uh, show notes for people who are interested, which goes through the real story of the CIA actively preventing information getting to the FBI, etc. Not just a not just an oops, not just incompetence, no, actively preventing in order, presumably, for their agents to continue ahead with their operations in their plot. That is the only rational conclusion that you can come to. And uh, for, for people who are interested in that, I'll throw the link into that book. James, I just now double-checked it again. It just, I was just reminded it's been a real pain in the butt trying to do essentially 9-11 plus 20 work this week. I cannot get historycommons.org to load at all. I was trying it Monday before I was doing the Tuesday show. You know something? Yes, excellent point. Um, For people who don't know History Commons, it is the best research tool ever invented in the history of humanity. I was going to put it in my research research resources uh, solutions watch recently, but I forgot (laughs) to put it in. But History Commons, please, it is an excellent resource. It is, unfortunately, the servers are up and down, and this week... They seem to be unreachable. The workaround for the moment, if you have the URL of the History Commons specific thing that you're trying to reach, throw it in the Wayback Machine. You will be able to get that. Um, but that's only a workaround. And I hope who I, I hope the History Commons people can get it back up. That truly is such a valuable resource for 9-11 researchers. It, for, for folks who maybe don't remember or never knew about it, it's basically a place 
with chronological multiple sources backing up everything around the events of 9-11, going back to, of course, even the late 70s with the creation of Alciad. It's Again, it's indispensable. That's why it's been so bad that uh, I can't get it. I don't want to jump to, of course, any conclusions. Maybe the hopeful conclusion is a bunch of people are interested in doing real research about 9-11 and the servers can't keep up. That's I'll, I'll hope for that, I guess. Speaking of all those annoying victims' family members, I, they should just be removed from the whole media landscape like those scum that question mask mandates, right? Our third and final story on this New World next week, 9-11 plus 20 episode, Spike Lee re-edits 9-11 docuseries to exclude victims' families' questions. Nike's Lenny Riefenstahl, Spike Lee, has removed footage featuring 9-11 conspiracy theories from the final episode of his new documentary series, New York Epicenters, 9-11, 2021 and a half. The documentary features, of course, all your favorite faces. The aforementioned Amy's cousin, Chucky Schumer, Mayor Bill, We Don't Want to Separate Families, de Blasio, and members of the conspiracy group Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, who claim that government officials were involved in the World Trade Center collapse. It has been reported that the footage being edited out contains such conspiracy theories about the tragic event, as Newsmax.com writes. I'm back in the editing room and looking at the eighth and final chapter of NYC Epicenters. Spike Lee said in a tweet and a statement to Fox News last Thursday, I respectfully ask you to hold your judgment until you see the final cut. I thank you. The announcement comes after Nike Spike Lee said during an interview with the New York Times that he was going to shut down the Australian highways with truckers. Oh, wait, that's that other story about tipping your hand to your opponent. In an interview with the New York Times, Spike Lee said he didn't believe the official explanations that have been offered and backed several conspiracy theories surrounding the events, including the notion that jet fuel can't melt metal beams. From the interview, New York Times asks, the last episode of the series devotes a lot of time to questioning how and why the towers fell. You interview several members of the conspiracy group Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Why did you want to include their perspective? Again, mainstream media hates you and your family, period. Spike Lee answers, because I still don't, I mean, I got questions. And I hope that maybe the legacy of this documentary is that Congress holds a hearing, a congressional hearing about 9-11. You don't buy the official explanations, the amount of heat that it takes to make steel melt, the temperatures not reached, and then the juxtaposition of the way Building 7 fell to the ground when you put it next to other building collapses that were demolitions. It's like you're looking at the same thing. But people are going to make up their own mind. My approach is to put the information in the movie and let people decide for themselves. I respect the intelligence of the audience. And the New York Times says, right, but you don't say make up your mind about whether or not the vaccine is poison or make up your own mind about whether Biden was legitimately elected. Spike Lee says people are going to think what they think regardless. I'm not dancing around your question. People are going to think what they think. People have called me racist for do the right thing, said Mo Better Blues was anti-Semitic. She's got to have it was misogynistic. People are going to think what they think. And you know what? I'm still here going on four decades of filmmaking, and it's all funded by his four decades of working for Nike, that swooshtika sweatshop empire of choice. For the fake woke, we will include the link to that full New York Times interview, Spike Lee, exultant at the epicenter. And of course, the conspiracy group, AE 911 Truth, have been on top of this Spike story. 
One of the updates is the McIlvains and others issued a statement over the MSM smear job. Quote, we are not conspiracy theorists. We're family members seeking the truth about the murder of our loved ones. James. Yeah. Yeah. Good point where the New York Times is basically saying we hate you for even existing, for daring to question, mm-hmm. for daring to have questions. We hate you and you should not exist. You stupid family members. How dare you care about your the death of your loved ones? Anyway, yeah, I think our audience will understand where to situate all of that. And, you know, well, at least someone tried a little bit to maybe raise some questions and is now retreating. I don't know. Um, but I so I'll play the dumb media unsavvy guy here. Um, uh, Spike Lee Nike. What's the connection there? Spike Lee has made very big budget Nike commercials for decades. Back when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, that's when Spike Lee got into the whole Nike thing. And again, we've talked about I talk about this a lot in the media monarchy kingdom. It's pretty hilarious to watch dudes go take a knee about racism and the empire while they're wearing sweatshop jerseys that say chiefs or braves or some other bullcrap like that. That's the thing. Spike Lee has worked hand in hand with Nike for for decades. He even had a he had a fake name. He was Mars Blackman. And again, other media kids out there will totally remember all this and no, I'm not I'm not making this up. Nike has pretty much paved the way for Spike Lee to act like he's an important film activist. One could imagine what Nike would do if he did release something actually questioning 9/11. Well, and maybe, and and who knows? Maybe Nike's the one that went over to HBO and were like, "You guys, you maybe got to put the put the damper on this." Or it could be that you know HBO's owned by AT and T, Time Warner, and maybe some of those board members might have might have heard something about Spike's big conspiracy documentary. So, James, I believe was it the New York Times a couple months back that said, "Don't go down the rabbit hole. Don't do your own research." These are the same folks now, of course, yelling about all these questions. So, James, there are there's also some 9-11 related media that's not Nike HBO bullplop screening of brand new 9-11 drama film. The Unspeakable will feature a post show Q&A with family members that will be streaming on the Internet September 10th. And of course, everything we say always down in your show notes. Plus, I hear rumors that there's a new 9-11 documentary coming from Corporate Report. Eh? Well, <laughs> I I can tell folks out there a lot of there are times where I I might know some things about the Corbett Report Kingdom, but I can tell you honestly, I have no idea what's coming up very soon from Corbett and Brock. I do know that people in the media monarchy community have said, "Man, I hope Corbett makes Corona a conspiracy theory, much like your 9/11 conspiracy theories." I know that's not what's going to come out on the 9/11 anniversary, but you know, you're not going to give us anything. No. <laughs> you can wait. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll just immediately jump to my wrap up on this episode. James, I've been I don't know if you've caught any of my Morning Monarchy episodes this week. I've basically been juxtaposing 9/11 plus 20 with the scandemic. All this week on the morning shows and it just becomes pretty obvious. It becomes pretty odious how similar catalyzing catastrophic events of 9-11 are to the new biomedical security state. So having said that, new documentaries, maybe new DVDs, maybe new time radio, Media Monarchy gets 
It's driver's license. Media Monarchy turns 16 this weekend on the 9-11 anniversary, and we've got a new 9-11 radio play. It's called Yankee Tavern, and it stars the one and only Benny Wills, and it is streaming this Friday only at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, only on MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. We basically made a little short deal with the playwright to be able to live broadcast it once. That's going to happen this Friday. However, one that you can listen to over and over again, the deluxe digital package of our Octopus radio play about Danny Casolaro is also going to go on sale this weekend. Tons of listener-supported content coming this weekend. Just watch our websites for the details, James I often anymore on the morning show say, it's on my website. You can't find it on any garbage ghetto-controlled platform. So we've got something, I think, kind of big in the offing. We don't want to run our mouths about it like truckies or spikies and have it <laughs> crash the, the second it launched. But good, big, awesome stuff coming up this weekend. And, of course, for all the folks who are very concerned about it, of course I stage crashed successfully at the Morrissey Las Vegas show last week, James. <laughs> I've seen the footage. It's true. It's all true. Right. Okay. Um, awesome. Well, anyway, um, that's the 9-11 preview. And... Uh, We'll continue doing this even after the 20th anniversary of 9-11. James, thanks for three stories. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care.